Welcome to Pixel Tunes Radio, a podcast where we have fun talking about video games and video game music. I'm Bat Mike, and I'm Edward Nigma, otherwise Ooh. known as the Riddler. Ooh. And you're listening to episode 109, Batman. Batman. We are doing an episode exclusively on Batman-related video games and their video game music. Yeah, mostly classic Batman. Yeah, I think we go up to. Mostly sprite-based stuff. Early PlayStation, I think, is about where we end. Yeah. You know, we know there's a lot of modern Batman games out yep. there, but we're just—I don't think we're familiar enough with those to really uh, put them on the show. But we're sticking with a lot of stuff that you guys might not know about, just yep. like like we do every episode. Stuff you might not know about. Stuff you might be very familiar with. Yes. Um, all excellent music. I was extremely surprised at how <laughs> much cool music there was from Batman games that I did not even know existed until we started doing research for this show. So you guys are in for a good treat and probably a lot of new information as well. Yeah, there's a lot of really great Batman games and Batman game music. I think the franchises remain mostly consistent. I mean, there's been some clunkers, definitely. Stuff like Batman Dark Tomorrow, but overall there's been some really good Batman games, and we're going to dive into them in a little bit. But and some bad games with good music. Yeah, that's so very we'll talk true. Talk about those as well. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to announce a couple things at the beginning of this show. First off, if you want to check out Retro World Expo, it is here in our home state of Connecticut, and you can check it out for September eighth through the 9th. It's a weekend show, and you can check it out at RetroWorldExpo.com for more information and check out tickets. Uh, we don't sponsor the show in the sense that they don't pay us or anything like that. No, but we're going to be there. Right. Whether, whether we have a panel or not, we're we going to be, be there. there. We would love to hang out with you guys. Right. It's in Hartford, Connecticut. Last year, it was in October, and Keyglyph from the VGM Jukebox yep. came down. Robin Purnell mm-hmm. from Rhythm and Pixels came down. They both had a blast, and they both expressed a lot of interest in coming back to yeah. hang out with us. So we might again. try to do something again. So, uh, you know, if you guys are from, from out of state, hopefully we're letting you guys know early enough that you can make some plans to come down and join us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would love to have you. Even Like I said, if it's not for a panel, we might even do another like a round robin or, something. or a live podcast yeah. at somebody's house or whatever. Yeah. And whoever wants to join in, we'd be more than happy to have you. So, Absolutely. Uh, Retro World Expo, September 8th and 9th in Hartford, Connecticut. Keep it on your calendar. Yep. And uh, we'll keep you guys updated on the Facebook group and on the podcast as uh, ticket information becomes available for you. And check out their page as well on Facebook. I believe they have either a group or a page that they make announcements at. And I believe you can comment on stuff to let people know that if you did come out and you liked what you saw last time around, you can make more suggestions for... Uh, those Pixel Tunes yeah. radio guys to come back. Request a Pixel Tunes panel. Yes. That will probably help us get one for sure. Yes, absolutely. All so, right. And then we have one other announcement. What's that, Ed? I'm pregnant. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it mine? It's a bat. It's a bat. Yeah, I got a little too into the Batman research. Yes, yes. No, the real announcement is this is our last Pixel Chat segment of Pixel Tunes podcast. Right. But that doesn't mean we're not doing Pixel Chat anymore. What we've decided to do, since it seems to take so long to get to the music, and we know you guys really want to get to the the kind of meat of the show, is that we're going to move Pixel Chat to a video segment on YouTube, on Mike's channel. YouTube.com forward slash dongled. So if you go there, you'll be able to check out the Pixel Chat segments. We're going to release them most likely the day before the episode is going to come out. Yeah. So like the day before the last Wednesday, so the last Tuesday of the month. Right, and so you'll be able to you know, see us on video. Uh, we'll probably add some visual aids to maybe explain more what we're talking about if we bring up different topics. 
So I think it's going to be a much better format for yeah. our question and answer than just audio. Yeah, I agree. And what's nice about it is it also allows us the opportunity to include more of you in this segment. So instead of just asking a question, you can now send in a video to us. If you post a video on YouTube, send us a private link at Pixeltoons radio at gmail.com you could also send us an audio clip if you want your voice to be heard and we'll play that over it or uh you could just send us a regular question pixel tunes radio at gmail.com send us your questions so speaking of pixel chat let's get into our pixel chat our segment. last one last one last audio pixel chat yes. all right so our first question comes to us from dan basiglia and he asks favorite shoot 'em up soundtrack of all time no console Slash era restrictions. Favorite shmup soundtrack Oof. of all time. Ooh. What do you uh, say? Pensive pauses from both of us because there's so many good. Yeah. I, I'm going to say that, honestly, I love this soundtrack. Battlemania Daiginjo, also known as Troubleshooter 2. That does not surprise me. I, I just, I cannot praise that game and its soundtrack enough. Just like one of the nittiest, grittiest, toughest, <laughs> roughest Genesis soundtracks I've ever heard. So I'm going to say that because I love every single song off of it. So awesome. great, great game, great soundtrack. Jeez, man. All right. So this is a combination of an excellent soundtrack and lots and lots of nostalgia. Uh, Takushi Hayamuda's Super R-Type soundtrack Ooh. on the Super Nintendo. I thought you were going to go with Super EDF. Uh, that's another favorite. You know, <laughs> I was thinking about that in the back of my head, mm-hmm. too, along with Phalanx. Those are those were like my, my holy trinity of soundtracks mm-hmm. for shoot-em-ups when I was a kid. But uh, Super R-Type just has that amazing kind of funk, New Jack Swing feel. And every time I listen to it, it absolutely blows me away. And I always forget how good it is until I hear it again. And I'm like, oh, my God, why mm-hmm. didn't I listen to this more? So uh, I'm, that's that's going to take the cake for me for my favorite shmup soundtrack. This, this is an interesting turn of events. I've picked the Genesis game. You picked the yeah, Super Nintendo yeah, game. Yeah, it's true. Although I would say if I was good to give a runner-up, I would say UN Squadron. That was not surprising. Not surprising at all. Complete with chocolate rain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, who's next? All right, next question. From Joe Dunbar, who's one of the most ridiculous people on our Facebook group. We love you, Joe. Uh, he asks... Without asking Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Switch cartridge? Uh, I'm going to say five. That's impressive. Yeah. You must have a very sandpapery tongue. I do. Now, do, Not, you, do, you, I, do you get the question? Well, you didn't say I had to lick it. No, 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 no. But do you understand why he asks the question? Uh, no. Well... That's right, you don't have a Switch, so you probably weren't following the news too much. Oh, I know that yeah, Nintendo people put a, were licking them. Yeah, Nintendo put a coating on the cartridges, because they're so small and kids use them, etc., to, to kind of get around that whole uh, age restriction stuff. or whatever mm. to enlarge the cartridges. They put a coating on it, which tastes extremely bitter. So if a kid were to ever put it in its mouth, it would probably spit it out before it swallowed it. I think that's what Joe's referencing here, is that you probably couldn't even lick it more than a couple times anyway without being completely grossed out by this it. This is the Tide Pod of video games. Yes. yes. Oh, man, the Switch Lick Challenge. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'm sure let's, it's let's been done. Let's start a YouTube trend. <laughs> I'm sure it's been done. <laughs> ben Dishman writes, if Mr. You, Dyad. Mr. Dyad, if you could have dinner with four famous people, living or dead, who would they be and why? You can make this video game related only if you want. I'm going to make it video game related only. Are you? Yeah. Are you going to put that on there? I am. Okay. And they have to be real people, so I can't say like Tifa and 
Right, 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 right. Video game. <laughs> no video game hotties, just video game people. Ah, oh, man. Okay. For me, yeah. obviously the first one would be Tim Fallen. Okay. Uh, just because he does so few interviews and stuff, I would mm. really like to pick his brain. Okay. You know, I, w- I would say Matt Furness, but I've already kind of like had a quote-unquote dinner with him, so I don't have to worry about that. Cross that off my list. Um, <laughs> How did you have a dinner? Oh, well, you're we had the, about the, the episode. We had the interview, yeah. Oh, okay. So... That was long enough that, that we could have had dinner with the him. The equivalent, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, who else? Oh, Trip Hawkins. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because he just seems like one of those really like entrepreneurial guys. Like I would love to have been there when they were like developing the 3DO system. Because mm-hmm. I'm such like a closet 3DO <laughs> fan. I really love that system. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I would, I would like to kind of pick his brain about. That era and and what he f- regrets, what he feels mm. he could have done better, looking back on it, I think okay. that would have been a really interesting and informative conversation for me. Fair enough. All right, I did two. Now you do two while I think of my next one. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to say... See, I've already met Koji Igarashi, but... She didn't I, have dinner with him. I did not. You know who did, though? Our good friend Mike McDaniel. He did. You believe that? I'm just so jealous. That's so awesome. He has done a lot of work for the Bloodstained community. Absolutely. He deserves every meeting he gets with that Of course. And let me Oh, and he was wearing a Pixel Tune shirt while he was. He was. Wasn't that awesome? So it's kind of like we were there. Kind of like we had dinner with him. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Fabrically. So, yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to say Mishiru Yamane. Okay. um, Just because she's a fantastic composer, and I'd love to pick her brain in. English and have somebody translate. Yes. Uh, the other I would say is Iku Mizutani, of course, because he's my favorite composer. And for my last two, I'm going to say Gunpei Yokoi, because he is passed away, and I'd love to pick his brain on, you know, information on creating the Game Boy and uh, working on Metroid. Yeah, no, like he's Metroid a brilliant, brilliant yeah, man. Brilliant man. And, you know, I, the last, honestly, I would say is more of like a childhood thing is uh, Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah. I was that, His name kind of crossed my mind. Yeah. Then I thought Akira Yamaoka. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I love the Silent Hill soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And he has said in the past, he has, uh, you know, he's a fan of a lot of different, like, industrial music and mm-hmm. bands that I really love, too. So I think we could definitely trade, yeah. uh, you know, barbs back and forth about that. And then uh, Alberto Gonzalez, because he just... You know, every time we cross his path online, he just seems like such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it would be really nice to just sit down and just chat. And he's got such a rich history from the ZX Spectrum, and he, he's still making games and soundtracks yeah. today. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he, he would be a really cool guy to talk to. That'd be cool. As well. I think for Shigeru Miyamoto, I would try to see if I can have Reggie Fizame tra- uh, translate. That way I kind of get a twofer. Yeah. Because I get to talk Does to he Reggie. Speak Japanese? Probably not. Probably or basic. Probably very basic. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, that's that's what I would say. That those, uh, That's a really good question. Yeah, actually. I wish I could expand the list, because there's so many more that I'd love to <laughs> chat with. We'd love to hear who you guys would like to sit down with in the video game industry. Yes. Give us comments on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Radio. You know the drill. Yes. All right. So, a little bit of information about Batman. Why don't you start us off, Ed? Sure. For those of you who have been living under a rock for the past... 50 years. <laughs> Batman's a superhero in the DC Comics universe. Uh, his real name is Bruce Wayne, and he's the young millionaire owner of Wayne Enterprises 
in the fictional Gotham City. Dude, spoilers. <laughs> so his parents were murdered by a robber in front of his eyes and this resulted in trauma combined with his fear of bats after stumbling into an infested cave on the Wayne property. This led him to become the Batman and protect Gotham from supervillains. Yep. Batman's first appearance was in 1939 in Detective Comics number 27. And he was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Yeah, so uh, Kane and Finger were working for National Comics at the time that before they were called DC Comics. Uh, DC actually stands for Detective Comics. So when you ah. say Detective Comics, you're actually saying Detective Comics Comics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, he worked there from 1934 until 1966, and he created lots of Batman characters like Robin, the Joker, Catwoman, Two-Face, the Penguin, etc., etc., etc. And then Finger. Yeah, Finger was also responsible for getting the Green Lantern off the ground in addition to Batman. And, uh, you know, most of the more campy aspects of early Batman stories were from his imagination. Like things like the early Batmobile, uh, the Batcave, and that giant Lincoln penny that can be found inside his cave. Yeah, so a lot of that stuff, a lot of the like Adam West Batman series right. and that whole camp aspect really came from a lot of uh, what Finger brought to right. the Batman series. And Kane was, I think he was more responsible for like a lot of Batman's pathos. Right. And uh, his whole backstory. So when you see like the Frank Miller Batman, the really mm -hmm. dark aspects of Batman. It's more on uh, it's, that It's scale. more based on what, what Kane came up with. Mm. Uh, but it, the combination of the two made for a very versatile superhero because you, you have a silly Batman and you have a dark Batman. <laughs> and they're both part of the public conscience. Like, sure. Like, so you, you can you can have a character that's completely goofy and or, or like ready to like kill himself if he doesn't get the Joker this time, <laughs> you know? And people believe both sides of right. it. So that's it's really cool to have uh, a, a hero like that that can appeal to almost everybody, they just choose the Batman that's their favorite, you know? Yeah. So do you like the darker Batman or do you like the more silly Batman? No, I prefer the darker Batman. I figured. Yeah, much. yeah. I like the more, like, realistic, I guess, uh, atmosphere. But with that said, I do like the, like, goofy Batman. Yeah, it, it has it, its charm. Yeah, it does. It depends, though. Like, I really dislike, like, Batman and Robin the movie, mm -hmm. um, Batman Forever, like half of it, like all the, the when the when the villains get too zany in the movies, I don't like it. Right. But if I'm watching the '60s Batman show, I love it because they're just everything. It's is so over bad, the it's top. good. Right. It's, it's exactly. supposed to be very campy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And but exactly. then when they try to do campy but also big budget, mm -hmm. they, they just don't just mix well together. Yep. You know, you're expecting quality mm -hmm. performances and not getting it, and it doesn't match with the visuals. So uh, yeah. So yeah. we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit about through throughout this episode we'll t talk about our experiences with Batman, how we got into Batman probably, and uh, you know talk about some games. So why don't we kick off with the first game on our list? What you got for us, Ed? The first game on our list is actually the first Batman game ever made, to my knowledge. Okay. This is Batman: The Caped Crusader. This came out on the Commodore 64 in 1988. This is the gameplay theme written by Fred Gray.
welcome back. That was Batman, the Caped Crusader on the C64. That was the gameplay theme written by Fred Gray way back in 1988. So the beginning of the track to me kind of felt like reggae almost. Okay. And this, I tend to notice that a lot of C64 tracks kind of sound like that. It's got that like hop skip vibe to it. Like, yeah. Do, 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 it do, was really popular do, 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 in, the, in the 80s and definitely. early 90s. Yeah. Um, I mean, what with like Bob Marley and stuff, like was exactly. super popular back then. Yep. So that makes sense. And so then it kicks into this like almost like rock vibe, like almost like a progressive rock, like Tim Fallon-esque, like mm. da, 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 da. Yeah. It's like building and building. And then it kind of kicks off into that like homage to the original 60s Batman show that na 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 yep, na na yep. na I was digging it. It was it was a neat track. I liked that it changed throughout the entire track and uh, you know kept me interested the whole time through, which is good because the game is the game's not bad. We 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 weren't able to get it working properly mm. when we tried to play it a couple days ago. Yeah. But uh, I like it. Reminded me of like what June Funahashi did with the original Ninja Turtles game on yep. the NES. Mm-hmm. They incorporated the Batman theme, but then also made it his own. Mm-hmm. So it was cool seeing that da na 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 and da na 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 like lots of different yep. flourishes, uh, and then just kept it in the same key and kind of really kept that feel of that song mm. um, but made it feel Batman even though it was you know not tunes that we had heard before necessarily right. he was able to get a lot done without a lot of percussion mm-hmm. like you said the, those those parts where like it really feels like like they're just pounding on the piano yep. keys uh, like like Elton John Saturday Night's <laughs> Alright for Fighting that kind of like just really going at it on the keyboard mm-hmm. uh, very very powerful song and I felt like it, it fit like a superhero motif yeah. Really well. Similar to like the Master System, I think that the Commodore 64 does a really good job in the right hands of the right creators and musicians, does a really good job with being able to not have percussion in a song, but still make it like a worthwhile track. Right, yeah. So it's really hard to do. <laughs> and it's tough. I mean, a lot of the video games, you're, you're going to be using like the noise channel and, and that those percussive sounds as sound effects. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to keep those out of the music because then it just sounds like a big jumble of static with some, some tones underneath it. Mm. So uh, if you leave the sound effects out of it, then you can do some percussions. So that's why a lot of games like make you choose between sound effects and music. Yeah, like on the just Amiga. not enough channels to do all at once. Right. So uh, yeah, this graphically, one... this is really cool, though. Yeah. Like if you're looking at the game, if you want a little bit better of an idea as to what the game looks like, I mean, certainly look it up on YouTube. But I'd recommend also watching Angry Video Game Nerd's uh, video that he did on the Batman series, which is very entertaining and interesting. He covers the Commodore 64 game, and you could see, like, as you're walking around in the game as Batman, like, you go into certain rooms or certain locations, and, like, there's these pop-out panels that kind of pop up in front of the screen very that comic you're on. Book-esque. Yeah, very comic booky. so it's it's pretty neat. Yeah, and you wander around, and you can, there's tons of items to collect, and it's not, like, a linear, even though it's side-scrolling, it's not, mm. like, a linear game, it's kind of like almost like maniac mansion with more action yep you can kind of go wherever you you want but you need to find the right items uh to get further on in the game mm. uh it's got a couple different villains in there like penguin joker etc so uh, and the animation is good the art is really good for a 1988 game it, it kind of stood out as far as as c64 games went so yeah if i can get the stupid controls working <laughs> uh i do i do want to try it out because it, it looks like a pretty cool cool play yeah 
So tell me about Fred Gray. Well, Who's this guy? Fred Gray is a British composer, and he was influenced by the early greats like Rob Hubbard. Of course, most of those guys were. Uh, he's most well-known for his work on the C64 games uh, Mutants, Shadowfire, and Enigma Force. So most people that grew up with the, with the Commodore 64 would recognize those titles as having really good soundtracks. Right. They use lots of new techniques that inspired other SID chip composers that would come after Fred Gray. Mm. He originally started as a solo programmer working on some early VIC-20 computer titles. The VIC-20 is kind of like the predecessor for the C64. A development house called Imagine took note of him. And the manager of that company liked the music that he made for the VIC-20 games and said, well, instead of programming games, why don't you come and be our full-time composer? Here's the SID chip. It's got a lot more because I think the VIC-20 could only do like one tone at a time. Right. So he, he did a good job with even one tone. So like, well, here you have three channels. You know, see what you can do with this. Mm. And so he kind of took off with that and composed a whole bunch of C64 games for Imagine and beyond. Cool. Uh, and nowadays he's retired from composing and he teaches computer classes in England. Cool. So, uh, but yeah, Fred Gray is a guy we haven't really talked about much. No. So uh, I want to definitely play some of those other games like Mutants, Shadowfire, and Enigma Force yeah, yeah. on the show because they've got fantastic soundtracks and I just kind of recently learned about him. So It's always interesting to me to find out that a video game composer has retired and now they're teaching classes and they're like a professor in mm. you know, college or whatever. Naoki Kodaka, I think, is the same thing. I think he quit. Absolutely. He's, uh, he's a professor now or a teacher. It's, yep. it's pretty cool. It's it's interesting. It's, it's nice to know it's that actually, they, uh, they want to pass on their knowledge. There will know? be three composers that yeah. are teaching okay. as we go through the show. So that, right. that's an interesting parallel. Maybe Batman has something to do with that. Yes, yes. <laughs> so what do you got next for us? Next up is another Batman game. Obviously, it's a Batman show. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Next up is Batman the Movie for the ZX Spectrum. This came out one year later in 1989. This is Stage 5, The Cathedral, composed by Matthew Cannon.
Alright, that was Stage 5, The Cathedral, from the game Batman the Movie, released on the ZX Spectrum in 1989, composed by Matthew Cannon. This was Mike's favorite Batman game oh, ever. Oh no, I did not like this game at all. <laughs> it's unfortunate because um, it's like just an inferior version of a game that we'll be talking about in a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just very clunky, and it's very slow... And just not good. I mean, you're playing as Batman, obviously. You're running around. You can climb ladders. You can use the bat rope thing. I don't know, battering, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. To pull yourself up these specific ledges. But then these guys will, like, throw stuff at you to, like, hurt you. Stuff. And, like, just stuff. Black, I don't know. Black it's blobs. Just, it's so ugly because it's a ZX Spectrum game. You yeah, know? And I'm every, not a everything is blue. Guy, like the entire right. field of play is blue with black highlights, and the the control panel, like you know, your your stats in the bottom are all pretty well colored, mm. uh, which kind of makes me wonder why. Well, then those are static on the screen, so I don't I don't really know how programming the ZX Spectrum works and whether moving things can only be one color while static things can be several colors or hmm. whatever, but uh, it's just an ugly, ugly game yep. with a great soundtrack. Yeah. I like this one. <laughs> as soon as we started it up, I was like, oh my god, this is Raggae 2. Yep. It's really funny. Yeah. And Mike just kind of rolled his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> not that I have anything wrong with Reggae. It's not my... The, the influence are just so prevalent. Right. Then. It's yeah. it's not my go-to when it comes to music. It's one of the last things I'll probably listen yep, to. Yep. But I tend to like it more when it's in video Agreed. games. Agreed. Me too. Yeah. Sure. So... That's a thing. There you go. And this <laughs> this is the last level of the game, Stage 5, The Cathedral. So this is where it is Batman the movie, so this is eventually where you do face off against the Joker at the end of the Don't worry, the, you'll the never hear film. this track if you play this game. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if you're like me, you'll, you won't even be able to get through the first Which is level. why we're playing it here. Yes. But that being said, the music does have kind of a very foreboding right. atmosphere. It's very slow and plodding. You don't even get any percussion until like two minutes in, and then it's that really heavy kind of you know, yeah. kick static sound. Uh, I just, I like the way that at the beginning, at least with the melody lines, they're so drawn out and they start really low and then they, it takes like, like almost eight measures to finally get to where it ends mm -hmm. on kind of like a higher note and then goes back low again. So it just feels very methodical, uh, very slow, very getting where you need to get to, but very slowly, which mm. is kind of like what this game is anyway. Yeah, there's a track that we're going to be playing a little later on in the podcast that is very similar to this in the sense that it's very grindy, very kind of brooding and dark. And, you know, I like that about this track. I like that they tried to put in that kind of style of music. You know, Batman's always had that vibe to him aside from like the more slapsticky stuff. Yep. So it's nice that the movie game mirrors the movie game on you know, the game itself. So, right, right. Yeah. They follow the plot pretty yeah. well. So a little bit about Matthew Cannon before we move into our next game, who Matthew Cannon also had a hand in composing. Mm -hmm. He's a British composer, again, composed early games developed in the UK. He worked as an employee of Ocean Software alongside Jonathan Dunn from 1987 until 1992. Uh, while he was at Ocean, he wrote the music for all the ports of Batman the movie, the game, including the ZX Spectrum port, the one for the Amstrad CPC, the Amiga, the Atari ST, and DOS. He also did games like F-29 Retaliator, uh, the Amiga version of Robocop 2, uh, the ZX Spectrum and the CPC, and did Rainbow Island 2 and Hook for the NES. 
After he left Ocean, he contributed some music to the Ken Griffey Jr. Presents Major League Baseball game, which Tim Fallon also worked on. Uh, that was from Software Creations. Uh, he did the music for Tin Star on the SNES. That was also made by Software Creations. And then his last game that we have uh, information on is called Striker 95, which was a soccer game for DOS. And that was developed by Rage Software, and it came out in the eponymous year of 1995. So he's probably teaching somewhere, too. Who knows? Yeah. Probably, uh, but his name is is pretty well known as as being. Uh, I, I knew of him without even really hearing a lot of his music. Yeah, I've and heard just, his name. You know, based on this is one of his early works from the ZX Spectrum. You can tell that he has a lot of talent. He probably only got much much better as time went on as well. Mm. So moving on to our third track. Yes, another British computer system. <laughs> Uh, this is the Amiga version of the same game, Batman the Movie. This is the title screen theme. This is a little bit of change of pace. Yes. Uh, this soundtrack was written by Matthew Cannon and Jonathan Dunn, and based on the tone of the song, I'm thinking Jonathan Dunn probably worked on this one. Probably, yeah. So all right. let's, let's hit it. Tell all your friends. I want you to tell all your friends about Matthew Cannon and Jonathan Dunn. <laughs> I'm Savage. <laughs> uh, I'm Batman. Savage Batman. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that was the title screen music from the Amiga version of Batman the movie, which came out in 1989, composed by Matthew Cannon and Jonathan Dunn. I love me some Jonathan Dunn, but... These samples are goofy. They're goofy, yeah. You know what really grabbed me about this song is right after that pattern where the the guitar plays and it's like dun 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 yeah. like that disco, almost like bass. house. 
it's yeah it's just that one instrument and the drums i absolutely love that like i could listen mm. to that on loop for 15 minutes probably and not get tired of it you just love um, the pcm samples I, it's just good stuff yeah who are you <laughs> but uh but that part really grabbed me it was the fact that that part was so minimal it was just one instrument and percussion and yeah. it just sounds so good so that really kind of made me fall in love with the music and the samples are just the icing on the cake yeah you know i love the guitar because it's very clearly, it, it sounds like somebody just went, like, you know when you see somebody that's playing the guitar and it's very clear they're, they're not really playing anything. They're just like, they're like making their hand go in like circular motions. <laughs> like, wow, wow, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that's the vibe that I got from that. Like, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. It's just, I don't know. It's over the top. It's campy. It's goofy. I really feel like it kind of belongs in a game that's like referencing the 60s. Yeah. Show. Yeah. But or this like a seventies version, right? Like like a like a Saturday Night Fever version of Batman. Yeah. You yeah. know. <laughs> but I, I do feel like the samples are very clean, very Batter, clear. Batter Day Night Fever. Batter Day. Oh. Oh boy. <laughs> Too many bat puns but already. Yes. Um. What what you were saying? The um. The samples are very clean. Yeah, they're very, very clean. good sounding. Yeah, you can totally hear everything in it. I don't know. The beginning, like, who are you? I didn't really hear it the first time. Like, it sounded kind of muffled. Yeah. But after I kind of listened to it a couple times, I was like, oh, he's saying, who are you? Yeah. Uh, you know, the the original way that a lot of the music came out of the Amiga was, like, hard panned left and right. Right. So you would get, like, you know, the drums only on one speaker and, and the samples would be on the other speaker. So it's a little easier to understand them. Nowadays, it's kind of understood that, you know, we'll, we'll use some stereo blending to make mm. the song sound a little better. Um, back then, people weren't really using headphones to listen to their game music. Mm. So it sounds really awful in the car or on headphones. Right. got hard pan left and right yeah, instruments. Yeah, that, that's so. the thing is I was listening to this track in the car and I'm listening and I hear everything on the left-hand side and I'm like, did did my speaker blow out? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what happened on the right? And then when it comes in, I'm like, oh, okay. Amiga, that's Ooh. right. Right, right then. Right, right, right. Yeah, so most, most rips you'll hear on YouTube and stuff will have uh, kind of a blended stereo effect like yep. this one does. But this game is a better version of the game that we just talked yes, about. Yes, much more playable. Yeah. So I believe that the I believe that this version might have actually come first, and that the ZX Spectrum version was a downpour. Like port. a downpour, right? Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Okay. But uh, the levels are pretty much the same layout. They're yeah. a little bit different here and there. Sometimes there's an enemy where there wasn't one in the other one, or an obstacle where there wasn't one. Uh, we didn't really play past the first level because no. it's it's really long. It's really the levels are long, but also they're really hard. But they're like it's not difficulty where it's like oh that was my fault I screwed up. It's yeah. more like oh I got hit even though I didn't mean to. Right. And one thing that I think is dumb when you compare it with the previous game is that if you are standing on a ladder in the previous game in the ZX Spectrum game, if an enemy is climbing up a ladder and he hits you, he dies, but you don't lose any life. Yeah. Even if you're just standing there. But if you're playing the Amiga version, if you're just standing in front of the ladder and the dude walks and hits you, he dies, but then you get Still hit. Lose life, yeah. And what's funny is in both versions, you're at the bottom of the screen, there'll be like this face in the middle, it'll be like Batman's face. And as you get hit more and more, you turn into the Joker, right? Like your face, just in that little like it starts icon. with your eyes and then grows outward, right? To the Joker's face, and once it's full Joker, then you're then you're dead. But in the Amiga version, 
Joker just looks terrifying because yeah. the faces don't line up. So like Batman's face is you know fairly detailed and fairly normal looking, and then as Joker's face fills in. The, the, the image that they used is very stretched out. It so it's just like bloated or yeah, something. Like, like kind of weird. Very strange. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're interesting games. I'd say, you know, if you wanted to check out, obviously either version of this game, definitely go with the Amiga version. It's got its merits. Uh, the in-game music is not as good as the ZX Spectrum. You know, did you even remember the music? Like, no. It's, it's, it's very yeah. uh, generic-sounding Amiga music. The title screen really kind of stood out to me. The rest was, you know, it was, it was decent, but it was not very memorable. So uh, if they blended the soundtrack of the ZX Spectrum version with the gameplay of the Amiga version, you'd probably have, like, the best version of the game yeah. possible. True. They're not the same soundtrack either. So they're no. not the same melodies or totally anything different. like that. So they're, yeah, totally different. Right. So Jonathan Dunn, we've talked about him quite a bit on episodes 49, 74, and 75. So if you like what you heard here, go check out those episodes for more details on him. And, uh, you know, he's a longtime Ocean employee with a ton of really amazing music to his name. He's, yeah. He's really worth checking out. He's definitely a candidate for getting his own episode at some point. Oh, absolutely. Too. I have reached out to him to, to do an interview and I haven't really heard anything back, but kind I... kind of went back and forth, I think, right? Uh, no, I never got a response no? from him. Uh, okay. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, um, but that being said, I would love to do an episode and, and share some more of his music. So. Yes. All right, let me pick a track from now on. All right, finally. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> gotta hog all the tracks. This is Batman the Video Game on the NES. Now we're finally getting to some really amazing stuff. Hey. Hey, the tracks, your tracks were good, but... Nostalgic stuff. Dat Sunsoft bass. Fair enough. NES 1990 was the year of release. This is stages one and five, and it's by Naoki Kodaka and Nobuyuki Hara. Welcome back. That was Batman on the NES. Might well, want to go back on your Sunsoft bass comment from earlier. Yeah. This track, doesn't use, this track uses the sample channel for the percussion. That's right. It's toms. Yes. 1990 was the year of release. That was stages one and five by Naoki Kodaka and Nobuyuki Hara. I, I gotta say, this it's interesting to hear Naoki Kodaka's progression when it comes to... Sunsoft and Dat Sunsoft bass. <laughs> because I've, I've played, not tracks on this podcast, but I, I've played games like Wings of Medulla or Wing of Medulla, which is a very 
in, it's a very plain sounding soundtrack from Naoki Kodaka. Then you kind of hear this track and you see the progression as the as Sunsoft grew more familiar with the the tone and sound yeah. of the NES hardware. And, and I the think as, as they developed their driver oh, definitely. too as well. But I mean they really always focused on making like the best possible sounding music. And I'd say that this is probably the last game right before Dat Sunsoft Base really took on like a whole new level yeah. of just incredible composition and, and showmanship in terms of the, the chip. On this track, the drums are really kind of the star instead yeah. of the, as you as you mentioned. For sure. I mean, this is, if this were played live, you'd need a drummer in your band that can like run marathons. Right, like right. this is a stamina draining yeah, song. It is, definitely. And I mean, this song has been just beaten into anybody who's played like old school NES games like this is just such a outstanding track it really kicks off the vibe and feel of the game it gets you energized it gets you pumped up and it it makes it so that you want to keep playing this game even if you're doing terrible and sucking at the game (laughs) because it is a brutal game it's definitely the type of track that will keep you invested in the gameplay. Yes, for sure. And the graphics, too, in this game. I mean, I was yeah. I was noting as we were playing a couple days ago, just the level of detail mm-hmm. in the background yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah, the animation, not just on this level, but, like, if you go to, like, level four, there's these, like, little grindy things on the, on the floor that you'll see, like, these little, like, turning wheels. Mm-hmm. Each one of them has their own animation. And then you've got, like, the joker you know tv in the background flickering and laughing yeah like it's just all very visually stunning to look at especially back in the day that was 1990 yeah there weren't a lot of games that looked like this no, they had some phenomenal artists and i think a lot of the graphics in these games uh definitely inspired future pixel artists to create games you know a lot of using black as negative space everything yep. was on a black background mm-hmm. And things would fade into black, or you'd see just just portions of, of walls, and you would mentally fill in mm-hmm. those places. So a lot of those techniques were kind of developed around that time, especially by by companies like Sunsoft and Konami, uh, to kind of overcome the sprite limits and the color limits that the NES had. Yeah, definitely. Did you grow up with this game? or No, you know what? I really didn't grow up with any Batman games. Hmm. Um, one game that we're playing uh, in the future, in the, or you know later on in the show, I, I do have more of kind of a nostalgic bent for, but uh, I was not a DC fan at all. Okay. Um, we were very much into Marvel, so we had the X-Men games and all mm-hmm. that growing up. But I stayed away from a lot of the Justice League and, and Batman stuff, hmm. so Interesting. just didn't appeal. Yeah. You know, I think I probably rented this one and played it a bunch and then brought it back, but just never ended up. Because that, that's what we would do. We would kind of like, me and my brother would rent games, we'd play them, and then the ones we really liked, we would put on our Christmas list. Oh, okay. Or our birthday list or whatever, mm-hmm. and then, then we'd get them at the end of the year. You know, we might have asked for this game and just never got it, mm-hmm. and then kind of forgot about it or, or whatever, but uh, it was not, not one of those games that I remember playing a lot. Did you see the movie, or was that, is this, in other words... No, uh, like I said, it wasn't really not part Batman? of our culture. Interesting. So, yeah. Uh, so my parents wouldn't let me see the movie, but they let me get the toys, which I thought was weird. <laughs> it's kind of strange, because I'm, I'm a pretty huge X-Men fan as well, growing up with X-Men and growing up with Batman, so I kind of, I was never really that big into DC. I was more into just Batman and yeah. maybe a little bit of Wonder Woman, but mostly Batman. And the Justice League was okay, but really my my love of Batman came from 
the movie cards, like the trading cards. Hmm. And I would go to like Bradley's with my mom and I remember like getting the packs of the cards and they would have this stick of gum in them. Yep. Open that up and start flipping through the cards and I was looking at these cards and like like loving the imagery of the movie of the Tim Burton movie that they were yeah. showcasing and I wanted to know more about Batman and I never really read any comics from Batman. In fact, the first comic I ever owned was a Spider-Man comic, believe it or not. But when the cartoon came out, that was when I really kind of invested a ton of interest into Batman and got the toys and all that stuff. Mm. So it's weird. I never saw the movies. I think I saw Batman Returns, actually. I don't know why my parents would let me see that one. Interesting. Because that one's way more dark than... Yeah, but you were also a little bit older, so... I was, yeah. I don't know. No no clue. But yeah, so that's kind of how I got into Batman. But I did get this game when it came out. Um, It was definitely one of the games that I really wanted. And I spent so much time with this game. I mean, I've... I can beat this game pretty much, like, first, first go around if I want. I'm not, like... I can't blaze through it. Like, the last level is, like, really brutal. Yeah, I think I, I likened it to kind of like a combination between, like, Mega Man, Bionic Commando, and, like, Ninja Gaiden yeah. or something. Yeah. It had kind of a Natsume feel, too. Like, yeah, Shatter Hand, Shadow of the Ninja Gaiden. Very kind of Shatter Hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, great game, great soundtrack. I mean, you know, it's one of our favorites here, and, well, at least one of my favorites, definitely. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the composers, Naoki Kodaka, we've talked about him tons on the podcast, but I'd love to do a Sunsoft episode, not to, you know, kind yeah, of Yeah, we've get... talked about that quite a bit. We have, yeah. And I, I feel like the time's coming soon. Yeah, definitely. So... If we can find tracks we have to play from them at <laughs> Yeah, this <point>. right, right. <laughs> so he's done tons of different stuff. He started off in 86 with Dead Zone. Um, Ripple Island in 88, Platoon in 88, Freedom Force and Blaster Master, Fester's Quest. The um, Tengen version of Afterburner yep. 2 on the NES. Yeah, yeah. Really yep. good soundtrack. Journey to Silius, Gremlins 2, uh, Super Spy Hunter. I mean, tons and tons of games. Nobuyuki Hada worked on Benki Gaiden. In 1989 was the composer on that. Uh, then immediately jumping into this game, Batman, uh, Journey to Silius. He was credited as music staff, Gremlins 2. And then he also worked on Euphoria the Saga, Super Spy Hunter. Uh, so he works very closely with Naoki Kodaka for the most part. Yeah, usually you'll see them as a trio. It'll be Naoki Kodaka, Nobuyuki Hara, and Shinichi Seiya. Yep. Uh, Nobuyuki Hara and Shinichi Seiya were... Uh, I, I I don't want to say subordinates to Kodaka, but they did a lot of more of the music programming right. and stuff, especially uh, less composition, especially Shinichi Seiya, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but Nobuyuki Yukihara did did work on his own on a couple of of soundtracks as well, which we've got actually coming up next. Yep, yep. Let's jump right into it. So the next game we're going to be playing from is Batman on the Turbo Graphics 16. This came out in 1990, and this is Stage Four by Nobuyuki Hara.
loving that. That was Batman on the TurboGrafx-16, also the PC Engine. Actually, to clarify, it only came out on the PC Engine, unfortunately. 1990 was the year of release. That was Stage 4, and that was by Nobuyuki Hara. I don't know, this really kind of sounds like a Naoki Kodaka track, and I've read in other places that he worked on this game, but for whatever reason, I guess, we, I think you and I talked about it, and we decided that it was Everywhere Nobuyuki. I've looked, it's only Nobuyuki Hara that's hmm. credited for this game. Interesting. So maybe some of the other uh, Naoki Kodaka tracks we think are from him are actually from Nobuyuki Hara. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, there are some tracks in this game that yeah. actually do feature in the original NES game mm. as well, right? So yeah. Uh, there's this some game, sharing there. When it ends, it just ends, if I recall. Like, the game ends, it just says game over, and then it goes back to the Boom. Main, main screen. Done. So there's no credits, unfortunately, for us to rely on. And even then, back in the day, I mean, like, it was there were barely any credits, you know, in video games. It was very, very scarce to see credits that yeah. are accurate. So, oh well. But this game, I really got to say, I had a lot of fun with the game. And I think... A large part of that is due to the music. I think that the music is very catchy in this game. Some of the tracks are from other Batman yeah. games that Sunsoft did. It's, it's almost like the music doesn't fit with the graphics, right. you know? Because the, the TurboGrafx-16 PC Engine, the HU-6280 hardware, yeah. uh, all of the sound channels were programmable. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the other composers, and we've, we've talked about this on our PC Engine TurboGrafx episode, mm -hmm. a lot of the other composers would just kind of leave the default sound settings. But Sunsoft being Sunsoft, <laughs> wanted to do everything their way. Dead Sunsoft. And so this sounds very, very different. They use a lot of samples for like uh, cymbal crashes. Yes. Uh, all of the synths are extremely textured. It sounds very, very full. You've got that slap bass sound mm -hmm. that kind of mimics the sound from the, from the NES game. So love it really, it. it brings it all together. I would love to have heard like other NES Sunsoft soundtracks as done like this like on this. the TurboGrafx. Yeah. I don't think they would have been better. I just think they would have been different and really cool to hear. Yeah. It, it matches their sound so well on the TG-16. Yeah, it's weird. Like... Their sound has been pretty much unanimously good on both systems. I think in the 16-bit era past, because like TurboGrafx PC Engine, we talked about this a little bit on the episode, it's kind of like an in-betweener when it comes to the music. It's yeah. not quite 8-bit, it's not quite 16-bit, but I believe it's still FM synth, right? For what? For the TurboGrafx? No, no, no. It's it's, it's, it's wavetable? Yeah, it's, okay. all, it's all programmable wavetables. Okay, so yeah, it's kind of in-between in terms of the sound. Like, it doesn't sound quite... FM synthy like the Genesis does, but it doesn't sound like completely wavetable like the NES. Right. It's, it's, like, it's, the, it's the texture that you're... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's kind of confusing you, I guess. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not a technical guy, but it's, it's, it's very interesting to hear the differences between the tracks that do play on this version of the game that also play on, like, for example, the Batman NES game. So, it's pretty cool. Uh, this game is cool. I don't normally like arcade type games that don't really have a story and don't really have a point to mm. them. But I was really having a lot of fun with this game. It's a top-down... I think we referred to it as Bat Bomberman last Bat time. Bat Bomberman. We, we talked about it yeah, on the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a top-down Batman game where you're playing as Batman, obviously, and you're running around the map 
trying to grab. I don't know. I think it's different in each level. Stuff. Yes. Yeah, like stuff. it's like your Batman picking up litter or yeah. something. <laughs> it might be bombs. I mean, they, they look litter. like they're like green green cylinders with like gray tops well, or something. Some like, of them like are pipe bombs or something. And then the other ones are like green boxes. boxes. Yeah, or I, don't I don't know. They don't really give you a good. I'm sure maybe the instruction manual gives you a better clue as to what you're picking up, which would all be in Japanese. Which possibly, is funny yeah. that this game only got a release in Japan because it's completely in English. Yeah, like, it's totally playable. Like they were planning on releasing it in North right. America, but for whatever reason, we were kind of speculating either because you know the Turbo Graphics wasn't doing very well over right. here, or there was a licensing issue, or, or something. Yeah, I gotta say licensing probably. I don't think that the Turbo Graphics really had its fair shot that yeah. early my, on. My theory is that Nintendo was holding Sunsoft to an exclusive Batman agreement. Yeah. And so they couldn't put a Batman title out on anything else in North America. Just a theory. It's a possibility. You know, either that or it was just a monetary thing and there wasn't enough of a user base to bring it out and pay licensing fees in North America right. to bring a Batman game out on a console that didn't really have that many units sold. Right. So. Plus, it's a larger market, too, so you got to figure Sunsoft being a smaller developer at that time, you know, they, this was prior to, like, all the other deals that they were working on. This was, like, their first big licensed game, yeah. if I recall. So they probably, all the money that they made off of the NES version, they saw how popular that NES game was. It sold a lot. Yeah. And so they probably figured, well, what's the point of working on the Turbo Graphics? Sure, it's popular in Japan with the PC engine, but the Turbo Graphics not so popular, so I, I don't know. It's I, I agree that I think it could be that. It could be a combination of all these things. Who knows? True. So, yeah. Cool game. Pretty neat. Good music. I dig it. Yeah, definitely worth playing. Yes. Can, uh, it's one of those Japanese games that's easy to pick up and play. You don't mm -hmm. have to worry about <laughs> instructions, unless you want to know what the hell you're picking up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, I guess we'll move into another Sunsoft track. This is slowly but surely becoming a Sunsoft episode. We may as well episode. just not do the Sunsoft episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just call this Batman Sunsoft. Batman Sunsoft. This is Batman Return of the Joker on the NES. This is the 1991 release, and this is stages 1 and 6. And it's by Nobuyuki Hara and Naoki Kodaka, and also Shinichi Seiya. Hit it!
This track. Wow. Yeah. Batman Return of the Joker on the NES. You gotta turn your subwoofer down. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> 1991 was the year of release. That was stages one and six. And that was by Nobuyuki Hara, Naoki Kodaka, and Shinichi Seiya. Credited as SS in the game's credits. Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan. Super Shinichi. So what do you think of this track? Oh, I love it. This, this track convinces me that... Uh, well, it doesn't convince me, but makes me theorize that uh, these guys just wrote a whole bunch of NES tracks around the time that this game came out, Fester's Quest came out, mm-hmm. and they were like, let's just divvy up these tracks. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it sounds so much like like level one, the, mm-hmm. the outer uh, level in, uh, in Fester's Quest. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, Thrashy. Yeah. So, but again, that Sunsoft bass just has such a... I'm sorry, the what? The Dat Sunsoft bass. There you go. Just has such a unique and recognizable tone, and it's one of those, you know, sounds that as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, Sunsoft game, obviously. Pretty much. And that's what I love about Sunsoft in the NES days is that you could hear a track from them and know it's a Sunsoft game. You may not know what game it's from, but you know Dat Sunsoft bass. So, exactly. And, and most likely it's going to be composed by these guys. Right. There's very few instances where it was not. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, very true. And that actually makes sense knowing that uh, we talked about this previously. Freedom Force and Blaster Master have a track. They share a track Mm -hmm. uh, in them. So that makes sense. A lot of sense that they were all made around that same time. And there's a game, Shanghai 2, I think. It was Famicom only that also uses the Sunsoft bass but was not written by Naoki Kodaka. Uh. It's like one of the few outliers that used that tech without his, his composition. Didn't Maname Matsume work on the game? And it was a game that was Sunsoft game, but it was a Famicom track. That was the Shanghai song. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Not important. It's not bad. Man. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. That, that dodgeball adventure yes, game. That one. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. I think you're right. That yeah. was Manami Matsumai with uh, Sunsoft bass. I got a good memory. It's, yep. a, it's a bat memory. <laughs> <laughs> so you wear your batarang on your head. <laughs> I love this track. I love yeah. this game. I recently beat it for the first time. It's a toughie. Let me let me tell I'm, you. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. All these Batman Sunsoft games have some. They're brutal. You need chops to beat them yeah, for sure. Definitely. But maybe, maybe not so much that that PC Engine game, but this one. No, that one we blew through like pretty quick. I mean, we didn't beat it. But I think we got to like stage what like seven or eight. We, we more stopped because we needed to move on rather right. than having like we were losing all our lives like the rest of the games we were playing. right. Yeah. I mean we were having fun with it, but like this game, Return of the Joker is just brutal. I mean it's a really difficult game. It's all about muscle memory and learning, understanding where to go, what to do, how to attack the enemies, yeah, how to avoid their attacks. That's it's it's pure Mega Man inspired Batman goodness. So. It's a great game. Um, I love the graphics. Like, this is one of those games that when I saw it on the NES for the first time, I was blown away. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, because like when you compare it with the NES first game, the the little sprite Batman is so yeah. tiny. But like Batman Return of the Joker, the sprites were huge. Like right. the enemies were big, they were bulky, they were booming, they were badass. Like it was just awesome. The focus was different. So like. Yeah. 
The first game, sprites, not so detailed. Backgrounds, super detailed. Super detailed, yeah. And this one, they scaled the backgrounds down a little bit, but spend mm-hmm. more time on the animation and the yeah. look of the actual characters in the foreground. Yeah, they really kind of put an emphasis on that whole black screen thing mm-hmm. in this game. I mean, there's some really, really impressive uh, parallax scrolling in the clouds. Um, it's like purple, and the trees, purple clouds going a million miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, like top. the animation of the trees in later levels. Like it's it's very visually impressive game here, and I think it kind of matches with the sound in that aspect. So yeah, you could tell Sunstar really loved what they were doing. They did good stuff. So Shinichi Seiya, who we haven't talked about yet, um, he's done quite a bit of audio work as well as programming too. Uh, Audio-wise, again, worked on mostly like Batman, Gremlins 2, Journey to Silius, Beirut in 1989, uh, Tough Turf was uh, his first game in 1989, he did sound programming and composing, uh, Blaster Master Boy, which is kind of like a Bomberman game, if I recall. Is it? Yeah, hmm. I think so. I think it's just Blaster Master, but Bomberman. Cool. Weird. Uh, Trip World in 92, which was a really cool Game Boy game yep with debts on soft base and his last game was axria retro world in 2012 so unlike most of the other composers uh who kind of tapped out in the mid 90s he actually kept going and he kind of like took a break uh, from 92 to 99. In 92, he did Super Fantasy Zone. And then in 99, he did Little Princess Marl Okoku no Ningyo. And then from there, did Axria in 2012. So quite a big gap between releases. Must have, you know, got a job doing something else. Like, you know, maybe a ninja that Batman had to fight. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he was just a Batman. Maybe he was just a Batman. Maybe he was a Bat Ninja. Bat Ninja. He was a Ninja Baseball Batman. Perfect. There you go. Sweet. That's an obscure game. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I love this game. I love the soundtrack. I cannot recommend it enough. If you are a Batman fan and you like video games, you'll like that game. Correct. Yes. So, moving on, what do you got for us? Moving on is an interesting title for sure. This is Batman Returns on the Sega CD. Uh, the track is Act 2 and Driving Stages 1 through 5 and the Driving Act's Introduction, composed by Spencer Nilsson. Whee!
All right, that was Act 2, Driving Stages 1 through 5, and Driving Act's intro from Batman Returns, released on the Sega CD in 1992, composed and performed by Spencer Nilsson. <laughs> I really enjoyed watching you play this game, I must say. <laughs> Like, it was more entertaining to me to watch you play this game. And I think the music has a lot to do with that because as I'm watching you play this game, I'm just grooving out to this, like, yeah. you know, I, I feel like I should be driving across the San Francisco bridge in, right. like, a, in the Batmobile. Exactly. You know? you're, you're you're in the Batmobile. It's, it's winter. You're driving through Gotham City. You are shooting down all of these uh, clownish vehicles it's pretty tough which is weird because you're fighting the penguin right but you got all these clown things going on i think right that was kind of how the movie was too wasn't it yeah the movie starts off i feel like tim burton just really wanted to have the joker in there and they were like no you're doing the penguin yeah and so he was like fine but i'm gonna make joker enemies i could have sworn that they used the it was like a circus basically like a, yeah. like a creepy weird circus I think it was like, a, like a Christmas time movie yeah. that came out around then but so. Penguin wasn't like Penguin was there but I don't think Penguin was really calling the shots at that point like you didn't get introduced in the movie to Penguin uh, at that point in time it was more just like hey here's a bunch of clowns that you have to fight yeah exactly it, it was almost as if like Joker had like a clown posse right and he was just like huh an insane clown posse. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, hey, uh, I'm dead, so you guys could just have at it. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's kind of what it felt like to me. Very interesting. Yeah. I uh, don't feel like this music fits no. the driving aspect at all, but it's a, it's a wonderful track to listen to. The production, all of Spencer Nilsson's stuff was, was fantastic. I uh, was a big fan of the Sega CD when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. I was sucked into the Nintendo Power hype of the SNES CD. Mm -hmm. And when that fizzled, I was like, I gotta have some CD-ROM-based games. I just, I needed, I like got the fever. <laughs> Mom, I got the Red Book fever. Exactly. So <laughs> that's when my brother and I were like, look, since we're not gonna buy the SNES CD thing, mm. let's pool our money. Let's go get a Genesis 2 and a Sega CD Model 2. And that's cool. what we did. And we got a couple Genesis games, but then we got like all of those Sega-published Spencer Nilsson soundtrack, mm. Spider-Man versus the Kingpin, Sonic CD, Joe Montana Football, all those games that he composed for, except for Batman Returns. <laughs> you know... Which is fine. It's interesting. I I'm wondering, and this is kind of a side note, but I'm wondering why Sega never released a Sega CD Genesis 2 combo package. Like, you know, the whole thing pushed together, like already pre-made or pre-assembled or whatever. Not like a CDX or a JV, JVC XI or anything like that. I was just going to say that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking like they released a system with the other system and just combined like it. Like all in one box. knock like 50 bucks off the price. I think like, they felt because the user base for the Genesis was so big at that mm. point, you're not going to want to buy both. I, I was probably very rare in the case that I got both like at the same time. within weeks of each other. Right, right. Uh, mm. I think it was mostly Genesis owners that wanted to go out and buy the Sega mm. CD. And I think the, between the two of them, the cost would have been like really prohibitive. Yeah. So I didn't know anybody who owned a Sega CD, honestly, yeah, I had back a, then. I had a friend. I mean, when we talked about this, what, episode 6, Beyond 16-bit, I had, I I had so. a friend that had a Sega CD 
and it was brand new at the time and, and I went over and I played it at his house and we played some of the games and I was blown away by the by the music and mm. the speech and the full motion video. And I was like, I just, I gotta have something on CD because it's so much better than Cartridge. So gives, gives a whole new meaning to the word to, to you got a friend in me. Yes, I've got a friend in CD. Heyo. Mm, second CD. Oh man. So this oh, game, <laughs> the driving is actually, it's not bad. Yeah. It's uh, it's a good little action. Kind of reminded me a lot of uh, Road Blasters, that old Atari arcade game. Yeah, there's not a lot of like steering, if I recall, right? Like like you could I mean, steer it, but like it, there wasn't I, braking. As long as you push in the direction of the corners that you're going, you're mm. going to make those corners. It's right. not like Rad Racer or Outrun, where if right. you're going too fast, you're going to run it. off the level. Yeah, yeah. You're mainly steering to aim at the enemies that are coming down the track at yeah, you. Yeah, it's like combat mixed with racing, yeah. sort of. Because there's a time limit on each level, oh, too. Yeah. And that time limit was brutal. So like health and time. Yeah. And then you also have these bosses that show up every couple of levels, mm-hmm. and they have health mm-hmm. and different methods of attack, and you have missiles that you can pick up, and your standard, like, bat discs mm-hmm. or whatever you shoot out of your... Batmobile. Batmobile. <laughs> so it, there's a lot to keep track of. It's pretty deep as far as racing games go. Yeah. And then once you finally get through like the ten or seven, or, I think it was seven it was, levels. It was an, a ridiculous amount of driving right. levels uh, before you actually get into the platforming section, which and, sucked. Yeah, with the, that's what I was gonna say. Is that the platforming was such a letdown, and the race in it. And this is weird for me to say because I'm such a platform mm. fan, but like. I'll play a platformer any day over a racing game, except for this game. Yeah. I'd rather play the racing section. Yeah, it was for sure. Way better. This is so. one of those games where I, I I really liked, there was this cool cinematic of Batman mm. sitting in the Batmobile, like driving. And it was this really cool 3D effect where he's like, this, he's got his hands on the steering wheel and it's going back and forth, like it's, using it's, a scaling rotation kind of deal. It's bat crotch view. <laughs> it's bat crotch view. <laughs> but it was like through the steering wheel. Yeah. And like the camera would, would zoom in on Batman's face and it would kind of, it would go through the steering wheel. It looked really convincing. And uh, I really wanted him to look at you and go, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I really want Tell like, all your friends about me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and Savage. <laughs> he just is, looks at you and says, "Savage." This is one of those games where I, I don't, I, I don't think I'd feel guilty in like putting a cheat code in just for like infinite health, just for the platforming yeah, levels, yeah, yeah, just to get through them to see what else they do mm. with like the driving levels, right? Or you could stuff. just do what was really cool is that you could choose just driving only too. Oh, that's right, which or was just platforming neat. only. Yeah, yeah. so it's but I wonder like, if you get like the true ending if you. Oh, skew one for the other. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. But anyways, as far as recommendation, as far as playing this one goes, maybe... I would say... Watch some YouTube videos of it and yeah. see what you think before you... Going out and buying it, Ugh. I'd probably say don't pay more than like between 5 and $10 yeah. for it. No. You know, you could burn your own copy of it and play it right. on your hardware if you wanted to. Feel free to do that and check it out. And then those came in the cardboard boxes. That's how early it was. Yep. So it was really hard to find a good quality if, every, you're, if you're a box collector. Yeah, every time I've like seen this game, easily. it's always been just a nightmare for box collectors. Yeah. So if you're going to collect this game, just buy it on eBay yeah. if you're a hardcore it's collector. like that really beamish Final yep. Fight all yep. had those cardboard boxes that yeah. just got wrecked. Mm-hmm. Just like your balls. Yeah. Uh, really quick before we go into our next game, uh, Spencer Nilsson, we've definitely talked about him in the past. Uh, he was a Sega employee from like 92 to 96. Uh, I just mentioned he did a whole bunch of the original Sega published Sega CD games, including Sonic CD, Joe Montana Football, uh, Spider-Man versus the Kingpin, uh, Echo the Tides of Time, and Echo the Dolphin on the CD. Mm-hmm. A few Saturn titles, um, 
after they Saturn got released in '95, and he was the executive movie, the executive music producer on Kong the Movie, The Last City of Zinj. Uh, he became the president of the Expression College for Digital Arts in California after that. And currently, he is the owner and co-founder of Illumina Studios, which is a media design and production company. So he's still in the biz. Cool. Uh, VG Empire did a fantastic interview with him a while back. Nice. uh, All about Sonic CD and his uh, experience with getting the American version of the Sonic CD soundtrack done in like the two months that Sega of America gave him to, to put all together and hiring and who, how he found all the all, all the musicians and samples and to, to play yeah. in, in like their, their live instruments in the studio so mm-hmm. definitely go listen to that if you want a really good history of like the birth of Sega CD and CD audio music it was it was a really cool episode that's cool so I've said my piece on Batman Returns what's the next one coming up yeah well this is a very underrated game that nobody really talks about this is batman the animated series on the game boy this came out in 1993 and this is mr freeze's level it's by yoshiyuki hagiwara and yuko kurahashi let's go Freeze Tunes Radio. I'm your ultra-cool host, Mr. Freeze. Tonight, we've hijacked the airwaves to play nothing but the chillest hits from all Mr. Freeze levels in all Batman video games. These tunes are so cold, so crisp, they will send chills down your spine. So, donate your life savings to Gotham Radio Station, attention, Freeze Tunes Radio, so I can help bring an end to my poor wife Nora's suffering. And if you don't, well, let's just say, you'll all be put on ice thanks to a cold fission nuclear bomb that will take all of us back to the Ice Age. Not so fast, Freeze. Time to put you back in the hot seat at Arkham. Batman! What an unexpected joke from you, but I think your stand-up career needs to be put on ice. Freeze! Your game ends... No, wait a second. Ed? Mike, why are you dressed like that? What do you mean? I thought I was going to be Batman in this skit. No, no, I specifically said I wanted to be Batman. I mean, I do have the dashing good looks and witty charm. You're too much of a goofball for Batman. Hey now, I can be smoldery. Yeah, but that's not what you're known for. Hey. You gotta play to your natural gifts. Excuse yeah, but it me. doesn't always have to be that way. Hey. I mean, I think you'd be a better joker. Yeah, oh. and you'd be a better poison ivy. Oh, well... T- Stop! What? what? 
This is my show, so it's time to play ice together. Ice, ice together, yeah, uh, I, I get it. Okay, that just deserves a battering to the face. Ha! Ah, you only cracked my helmet. <laughs> yeah, well, how about this? No, I'm melting! Wait, what is that smell? Is that hot pickle soup? With butter. That's so disgusting! No! Well, thanks to Batman, the day is safe again. That's right, all thanks to me. Okay, how about you be Christian Bale, Batman, and I'll be Michael Keaton, Batman. No, 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 why can't I be Keaton? Because you're way more angry. You, you should be the, the George Clooney Batman. I don't want to be George Clooney Batman. How about you be Val Kilmer Batman? I want to be the yuck. Welcome back. That was Batman the Animated Series on the Game Boy. 1993 was the year of release. That was Mr. Freeze's level, and that was by Yushi, Yoshiyuki Hagiwara and Yuko Kurahashi. All I gotta say about this track is... This song confuses me and makes me wonder if I want to live. <laughs> I love that sawtooth bass. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's very harsh. It is. And I was trying to figure out the uh, the time signature, and it was like 8-2 or something. <laughs> it's like 1-2-3-4-5-6, 1-2-3-4, 1-2-3-4-5-6, 1-2-3-4. So it's it's really tough, like 6-4 mm -hmm. or something. And then it, and then it goes 6-2, I think. It was like 1-2-3-4-5-6, 1-2-3-4-5-6. Yeah. So I was like, oh my god. And you... you I've said, head it, I've, I've said it in the past. I like 4-4 four, four time signatures. For some reason, when things get all progressive and... Right. I can't follow it for okay. some reason. I just... My my musical part of my brain is not built mm. to follow music like that. Mm. So I find myself trying to dissect the music instead of actually enjoying it. Okay. And so, I don't know. This track didn't really do it for me for those reasons. Okay. However, based on the game... And Batman music in itself, yeah. like that from like the Batman the Animated Series cartoon, mm -hmm. it fits very well with. Yeah, that's what that. I was gonna say. This is very Danny Elfman in the sense that it's it's telling a story. If Danny um, Elfman like wrote the music for like with the Hobbit going base. up to Mordor or something, yeah. <laughs> I just love that grindy like chuggy da 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 Yeah, and then when it kind of breaks down, it's got these like playful elements where it's like. Um, I don't know, like I kind of paint, painted a picture in my mind of, of what was going on in this track versus what I would see in like an animated Batman episode. Yeah. So like... The this would be like with like the final scene in the cartoon where right. Batman was finally facing off against whatever villain was in the episode. Right. Well, like, say he's like chasing Mr. Freeze, and it's like Mr. Freeze is gaining ground. Like, you know, he's like, like the top of a train or something. Exactly. And and then it all comes crashing down, and it makes me feel like either Batman like goes through like several stories because it's like dun 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 dun. It's it's really just an interesting track, especially when you compare it with the rest of the soundtrack. 
we played through a little bit of this game and you know the initial level the first level is very like batman the animated series like the the stereotypical like danny elfman like you know that like main theme yeah, that you da, da, hear, da, da, da. right, right, and so you get a lot of that throughout this soundtrack. But for whatever reason, this track in particular just made my ears perk up. And I don't know if it was that sawtooth bass in the Game Boy or not, but it sounded like something that would have fit right at home in like a Castlevania game as well. Yeah, and I, I think it could be translated very well to like like a like a black metal song or something. Yeah, like I, yeah. I feel like that's another reason why it might have appealed to you too, because those that sawtooth bass could easily be like a, just a chuggy detuned mm-hmm. guitar, mm-hmm. or you know a, a brass or string section. So yeah. it kind of is a kind of a versatile piece. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It's definitely a progressive track that I think that you know, like you said, if if it's not your jam, you're gonna kind of tune it out. But if if you can kind of understand the complexities and and the playful nature of the track. I think that you'll you'll kind of dig it, so I don't know. Dig it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, now Yoshiyuki Hagiwara, I believe I've talked about him before. He did Raging Fighter in 1993. Uh, Ganbare Goemon Sarawareta Ebisumaru in 1991 did sound on that. Gradius the Interstellar Stalt. That's probably where we talked about him previously. Mm. Uh, playing a track off of that in 1991. And that was uh, Mission Impossible was his first game in 1990. So pretty much like a Konami composer all the way through his career. uh, Ended up uh, leaving Konami and then worked on Tokyo Extreme Racer for programming uh, portions. Like the 2D portions of the game as well as sound programming and engineering on that game. And then just poof, faded away like a little bat ninja. Boom! Yeah. And then the other composer on this is labeled as Yuko Kurahashi. Same thing, kind of. Worked on 1988's Bio-Miracle Bokute Upa, which was, I believe, that baby game for Konami. It's that baby platformer. Oh, okay. That yep. sounds familiar. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. yep. So that was Famicom-only release in 88, and then moved on to SD Snatcher in 90. Uh, Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake in 1990 for the MSX. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 back from the sewers on Game Boy. So shifted over to Game Boy. And then last game that they worked on was uh, Batman the Animated Series in 1993. Again, credited as Music Image. I'm not really sure. It's what probably that means. they were probably just a music company for hire. Okay. Just like Opus or, or you know, like one of those. Right. Tease music. Tease music. That kind right. of stuff. So th- those okay. guys were just basically. They call themselves Sound Image, and mm. you could hire them on to do music for your game. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we'll move on to a very similar track, but on a different system entirely. This is our first Super NES track. This is Adventures of Batman and Robin on the Super NES. This came out one year later in 1994, and this is Joker's Funhouse. This is going to be a mind meld, so I'm going to try to get through these composers as fast as possible. The composers on the cartoon that are credited is Shirley Walker, Harvey Cohane, Lolita Rita Manis, Michael McQuiston, Stuart Balcom, Richard Bronskill, Carl Johnson, Christopher Carter, Carlos Rodriguez, and Wayne Coster. Now the game's composers on the game compositions is Jun Funahashi, Masanari Iwata, Masahiko Kimura, Kayo Fujitani, Harumi Ueko, Masahiro Ikariko, and Kazuhiko Uihara. Whew, okay. Let's play the track. <laughs> Thank you. 
welcome back! That was The Adventures of Batman and Robin, and that track was called Joker's Fun House off of the 1994 Super Nintendo release. Uh, the composers on the cartoon, we already talked about it, so just go back. I don't want to... I don't want to delay. But the game <laughs> composers, Jun Funahashi, Masahari Iwata, Masahiko Kimura, Kayo Fujitani, Harumi Ueko, Masahiro Ikariko, and Kazuhiko Uehara. Lots of familiar Konami names in yes, that list. Yes, definitely. Tons of Konami stalwarts. So, yeah, this game is fun. Really cool game. It was a game that I never really got a chance to play. I just recently picked it up part of a swap meet game deal thing and i got it for a really good price and i was like yeah sure why not yeah and it is a really fantastic game i mean it captures the spirit of the cartoon yep. so well both mm -hmm. in music and graphics and animation even dialogue mm -hmm. like it was like they, they worked hand in hand with Absolutely. the cartoon directors to really make this the best they could mm -hmm. i also noticed as i was playing through it earlier today that there's so many similarities to Super Castlevania 4 once you get into the later levels. Yep, yep. I have a feeling a lot of the guys that worked on the Super Castlevania 4 game mm -hmm. moved on to this one. I think so. And, I do. Uh, Especially with the sound. Yep. I mean, those those Different. Toms. I don't think the composers worked on them, but the, no. the sound, uh, the, the instrument set was probably very similar. The instrumentation on this definitely, especially with the, t the drums, the percussion, the toms are very striking and very booming and big and loud yeah. and you don't really get that from other Konami games around that time other than Super Castlevania 4. I think there was a bigger push to maybe like push the synths a little harder like in Contra Well they were 3. like harder rocking songs, more yeah. energetic yep. because Batman's normally associated with a lot of these classical, mm -hmm. very bombastic, very foreboding tunes like from the animated series and the movies. Yep. So, as much as the hard rock and soundtracks on the Sunsoft titles were, were amazing, mm -hmm. and I'm so glad that we have them, they didn't feel like Batman. Right, agreed. So, getting to this point where music was like this, mm -hmm. it was great. And then the Genesis uh, counterpart to this yeah. was... They're two totally different games, but both games are fantastic. Fantastic, but it had a Jesper Kidd soundtrack, yes. which was not Batman at all right. either. True, so, true. this I feel like as far as the whole package goes, feels the most like a Batman the Batman experience. of that era. Yeah. 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 No, I couldn't agree more. I do really love that Batman game for Genesis, The Adventures of Batman and Robin. I think it's a really cool game that... Uh, that's fantastic a fantastic effect. Oh, yeah. Really just... The, it was definitely a hardware pusher back in the day. Whereas this, not so much. I mean, there are some very visually impressive things going on with the game. Yeah, there's some great Mode 7 effects. Yep. Some great animation. I just think... I don't know. It feels almost effortless. Like, I think yeah. it really did push the hardware to the limits, but they did it so well right. and so cleanly that you don't even realize what you're looking at. It feels it more feels, like a live-action cartoon. It feels like a like a 2D Saturn game yeah. almost in, yeah. in, in, in the level of depth and like so when you're fighting like uh, the Joker at the end of the first level mm -hmm. you know you're on it, this this roller coaster and you're each on separate cars and then goes around a loop and the, the whole background rotates mm -hmm. completely effortlessly yep and then once you beat that part, you get into this level where, or this area where the camera shifts, and now that the roller coaster cars are coming at the screen, right. and the, the bottom of this level is all, it's just mode seven, and you see the two mm -hmm. tracks, and they're swirling back and forth, and the Joker's throwing bombs at you, and it's it's so cleanly done that you don't mm -hmm. even realize it, and it just feels like you're in a 3D world at that point. I think that Konami was really trying to focus on making bigger, badder bosses, 
And I think that when a lot of their people left to form Treasure, yeah. that when they saw what was capable with stuff like Gunstar Heroes, they kind of answered that with Contra Hard Corps. And it's kind of very similar in that. Boss Parades. Hmm? Boss Parades. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I really do feel like the two were competing with one another. And I kind of feel like this game kind of fell into that trap as well. I, I think that the bosses in this game were really the stars of the show. Yeah. I mean, even when you get to a mini boss like that very first level that this track plays in, when you're facing off against the um, the nutcracker guy who's like stabbing, he's like a yeah. knight. He just takes up the entire, yeah, literally the entire like screen. The entire screen. He's huge. He's ginormous. And he stabs the ground and you climb up and the whole thing just has this like weird like 3d effect it's really cool so great game visually and audio visually audio <laughs> so uh, as far as the composers go we've talked about every single one of them on previous episodes i don't want to get too deep into it but we've covered every single one of them so yeah. Um, you know, listen to any episode. Just a lot of those Cowboys and Mumesa, yep. Turtles in Time, mm-hmm. a lot of those Super Nintendo, Konami, at least some combination of a lot of those composers worked oh, yeah. in a lot of those games. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then, uh, you know, I mentioned the composers on the cartoon in the previous, uh, just before the, the end of the last break. Uh, this game takes most of its music uh, as inspiration or literally from uh, the tracks from the Yeah, let's call from the arranged show. music. Right. So you can't go wrong with this game. Great game, great soundtrack. Overall, it's just a lot of fun. And it gives you a great challenge, too. So definitely highly sure. recommended. Yep. All right. So moving in from a one Batman cartoon game to another, what do you got for us? Yeah, this one is Stage 1 from Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. This came out on the PlayStation 1 and the N64 in the year 2000. Whoa. So futuristic. Ooh. Uh, composer is Mr. or Mrs. Unknown. Hey. And uh, speaking of rocking tracks, this one will probably rock your socks off. Let's take a listen. Boom. That was stage one from Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. That was the um, that was the PlayStation Redbook audio version. Uh, there was also a lower quality streaming version on the N64 game, which came out 
in the year 2000. Ooh. Uh, there are no credits in this game. Uh, so I don't know who the composer was. I even kind of hired on VGM Jukebox's resident composer checker Electric Boogaloo to uh, check to see if he could find the composer for this. And no luck there either. No so I just, I just don't think it exists nope. anywhere. Uh, but I love this. It reminds me a lot of that Power Moves Pro Wrestling metal track that I played mm. quite a while back. Just, it's just this good, rockin', chuggy little era of like late 90s, early 2000s goodness mm-hmm. with those little guitar squeals that kind of like go between the speakers and stuff. I don't know. I like the chug, but the the squeal just kind of makes me think of the cartoon because that, if you've ever seen that cartoon, that is literally almost every single song mm-hmm. is is this kind of music. Okay. So they really did kind of go for that vibe of the soundtrack of the show. Yeah. But Batman Beyond is like a, like a pseudo sequel to the original Batman animated series cartoon right. that even has Kevin Conroy voicing Bruce Wayne, who's now like very, very old and basically needs a new Batman. So he brings this uh, guy, Terry McGinnis, on. I think that's his name, Terry McGinnis. And then he becomes Batman Beyond. And so the whole thing is like that late 90s, early 2000s, like trying to be edgy and extreme. Yeah, well, there was that whole push for... Everything was very futuristic right. as you got towards 2000, mm-hmm. I think, because everybody just considered 2000 to be super futuristic. Yeah. I think this took place in the year 2049, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was called Batman 2049 as as the Japanese release or something. Possibly. Because that's what the series was called over yeah. there. So, uh, you know, 50 years in the future or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the game itself, not very good. No. It's a very, very monotonous stiff beat em up with you just walk up to dudes and do a punch or do a kick yeah it just doesn't feel very good at all it's very play. generic and it just it doesn't have you know how you play a game and you're like oh man like this you know how feels... you play a game and you have fun yeah this isn't one of those games yeah yeah no like you play a game and you're like yeah you know like this has like Soul. It has feel to it. Right. It has meaning. It wasn't just something that they slapped a, a label on to right. put off the shelves or something. Pretty much. And you know what? It may very well have been the publishers that were just trying to do the cash grab kind yeah. of deal. And I feel like maybe that's why they didn't have any credits for this game because they, it was r- probably rushed off the shelf. This came out and late in the library of the PlayStation yeah. and N64. And they didn't so. want any of their names attached to it because no. it would have been a stain on their careers. Yeah. So uh, not worth playing. The music is all CD audio, so it's cool to just kind of, I don't know, throw in your stereo if you find a, a cheap copy at a you know used bin somewhere and just want to listen to more of the soundtrack. Most of the soundtrack, though, it's like if you've heard this track, you've heard the whole soundtrack. Yeah, so pretty it's much. like it doesn't really do anything that is going to be that outlandishly different, so... It's great, like, cleaning your house music. Okay, did you clean your house to this? It's just instrumental, it's all the same kind of tempo, it's just kind (laughs) of like a... Or like running on a treadmill or something, it's just like there's not a lot of change-ups in the soundtrack, so you can just kind of... Like the Quake 2 soundtrack is great for that kind of stuff, because it's all just one tone, but it's all kind of get up and go the whole way through. Now all I can picture is you cleaning your house, and like, every time... You know, you're just like headbanging. You're wearing like you know, like a me- like a leather jacket with studs on or whatever. I yeah, just the, picture the you... Batman Beyond cowl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just the cowl. And I, I just picture you like, dut, 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 dut. and then like when a guitar squeal when it goes, it's, it's the you... squeegee going across yeah. the, 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 the window, or, or like the duster. You just like start <laughs> knocking stuff over off your mantle, like, Wah. take that, Perfect. evil doer. 
Batman. Evil Duster. Batman Beyond Dust. Yes. It needs to be a game. Yes. Return mm-hmm. of the Squeegee. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's Batman Beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then. Let's move on to our next one. All right. What do you got? This one's actually a little bit better than the other one mm-hmm. with a fantastic soundtrack that suffers from Game Boy Advance-itis. Right. This one is from Batman Rise of Sin 2. This is a Game Boy Advance game that came out in 2003. I'm choosing Clayface because it's just, I don't know, all the music is awesome because it's by Barry Leach. So let's give it a listen. Cool. Stomping all over that dance floor. That was Clayface <laughs> from Batman Rise of Sinsu, which came out on the Game Boy Advance in 2003, composed by the great Barry Leach. Very gritty, very big beat, very like late prodigy, like uh, the days my enemy invaders must die era stuff. What do you think, Mike? This probably isn't too much up your alley. You know, I really dig parts of this, and then other parts I'm like, Probably the opposite parts of what I like. Probably. Let's see if we could get this right. I really like the parts that's like... Okay, that's what I like too. All right. That's the part that sounds most like the Prodigy to me. Right, right. I really dig that just because it has like a dark, evil, like, synthy vibe to it. But it also has that like plotting, like, more metallic kind of sound to it as well. So that was my favorite part. The rest of the synths in the in the in the track, they're not bad. Like but those I, faux horns. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I I don't mind them, mm. but they don't stand out to me. I think if we were able to hear this track in not on the Game Boy Advance, maybe like for yes. what they were originally composed, because right. the Game Boy Advance is infamous for completely nerfing mm-hmm. of the quality of any song you put into it. It depends. Um, it th- depends th- on the who and the driver that you're using. Right. You know? Exactly. And this is actually like a clean ripped version. Like this sounds better than what came out of the Game Boy Advance. If right. you listen to it from the Game Boy Advance, it sounds even muddier than mm-hmm. this. So, you know, I'm very curious about this soundtrack though, because it's not it doesn't feel Batman. Mm. I know Barry Leach really likes uh, old school like Goth and industrial stuff. Uh, it's funny because just a couple of weeks ago he did uh, on Facebook he did a like a like a ten days his, his like albums that influenced him. Mm-hmm kind of deal which a lot of people were doing and there were so many albums on there that like were also like some of my favorite albums like mm-hmm. Nine Inch Nails uh, Scissors of Mercy The mm-hmm. Mission Depeche Mode right. you know, he's got all those influences and you don't hear a lot of those influences that much in, in games like Top Gear 
and some of the older Amiga stuff he did. Right. But then this soundtrack has like those break beats and those really gritty synths, mm. and it's got a lot of very industrial, you know, synth wave kind of elements to it. So I'm I'm wondering if Barry just kind of made these songs and the developer was like, hey, let's just throw them in, or if that was the the, the direction he got. Possibly. So, but it's cool. I mean, I really like this soundtrack because you don't get a lot of music like this in a lot of games, especially on the Game Boy Advance. Mm. Uh, and normally with Game Boy Advance, they sound just kind of like uh, beefed up Super Nintendo tunes True. for the most part. So this this stood out as being really unique to me, and I really kind of wanted to share something from it. I think that if you are going to hear something like this, it is going to be on the Game Boy Advance, though. Like, I feel like right around this time, developers were trying to really push, like, electronic music or music that 2003, had... yeah. Yeah, like Electronica that. Electronica was kind of becoming big. It was Prodigy, pretty big. Prodigy, that kind of stuff. Yep, yeah. yep. And that kind of fit in with, with what Barry Leach's musical tastes really were. Mm. So I, I think he was kind of maybe jumping at the chance to to compose in a, in a style that was familiar to him, you know, and have the opportunity to do so. I can see that, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the game itself, pretty decent for a Game Boy Advance yeah. game. Side-scroller, decent yeah. animation. Good animation with very low detail on your sprites. Yes. The characters were very, very basic looking. Yeah, and it was a bit like the animation itself was really cool, but the backgrounds are very bland. Yeah. The whole thing just felt very bland. And the more frames of animation you have, the more difficult it is to control your character. Yeah. So when you're jumping, is like, he's got to duck down, and then his mm. legs have to spring up. Like, it, it right. looked very realistic, but it's also taking him a long time to do everything. So. The animation being so in-depth made it that the game itself was less fun to yeah, play. Yeah, like Spider-Man so Web of Fire on the 32X yep. felt very much kind of like like overproduced in right. terms of the animation and stuff. Yeah. Which kind of got in the way of your, of your gameplay. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. I mean, I really wanted to love this one, especially since I really dug the GameCube version of this game, like mm -hmm. the Big Brother version of this title. Which is actually a really cool game with some really good music as well, and I was debating whether or not I should pick from that. And then I saw you pick this, and I was like, yeah, I'll just let him pick that, you know, so. Thanks, guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that the GameCube version of this game is much better than the Game Boy Advance version. Uh, that's more of like a beat-em-up kind of style, yeah. and you could play as, like, I think it's up to four players. You could play as, like, Batman, Batgirl like young Robin and then like uh, Nightwing okay. if I recall Makes sense. so yeah it's like a four player like party beat em up kind of game and it's relatively fun so if you like Final Fight you know type stuff it's definitely a, a beat em up worth checking out cool so yeah, yeah. check it out yeah yeah alright so you, uh, you know I would talk about Barry Leach but we've played him on episodes 9, 26, 36, 49, 58, 75 and 105 <laughs> I think we should actually put some stats out at some point <laughs> about who's our most played composer, yeah. what's our most played console. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder like, if we could maybe get some people on the Facebook group to kind of guess to see <laughs> you know, what our most played composer, console, genre, or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. or company, um, and then kind of actually put those stats out and see who got the closest. That would be kind of fun. With 100 plus episodes, that's a lot of research, but... Well, we have we have a spreadsheet, so it's going to be easy for us to do it. Yes, I'm not expecting like our listeners to go out and do the research. Right, right. I just you know based on what they've heard and, mm. and what our predilections are, I'm curious to think. see what they think. Yeah, we've played the most of over the years. Well, I would say that going from one composer that we've played so much to another, 
Uh, this is this is our final track of the episode. This is Batman the Brave and the Bold. Uh, this came out on the DS and the Wii in 2010, but we are going to be playing from the DS version. And we'll tell you a little bit about the differences between the soundtracks when we get back. Uh, this is the Catwoman boss level, and this is by Jake Kaufman and also Michael McQuiston, right? Yeah, he composed for the series, probably. Right. The cartoon series. Yeah. So, and also Michael McQuiston, Lolita Rita Manis, and Christopher Carter. Returned to Batman, the Brave and the Bold. The DS version of that game in 2010 was the year of release. This was the Catwoman boss level, and that was by Jake Kaufman, Michael McQuiston, and Lolita Ritmanis, and Christopher Carter. Now, those last three, we believe, were the composers of the cartoon, and so... Yeah, if, they also worked on Batman the Animated Series. Right. So, I think that they took a lot of inspiration from the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon, which I haven't seen the cartoon. I've heard it's actually really good. Uh, it's got a lot of really great voice talent that is in the actual show. But the game, it's interesting. There's a Wii version and a DS version, and both games are great, but both games are totally different. Before we get into that, yes. I have one burning question. What's that? How did Jake Kaufman hire... Naoki Kodaka's drummer. <laughs> oh my god, it's awesome. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, this is breakneck, yeah. dude. I think this is as fast as the DS could probably process music. Probably. I think, I'm pretty sure it's all sequenced audio. So. This reminds me a lot of his Contra 4 soundtrack. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I get that same vibe, that that just run-and-gun pace. And they came out around the same time, too, so it's probably, yeah. you know, yeah. in the same headspace while he was making these Probably, these yeah. But, uh, yeah, those those fills are just like... Right down the side. I just love it. And I love just how it, it's so zany, too, because it has those synths that kind of just go from left to right like -da 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 -da. and and you also get these awesome uh jazz moments in this track too it's it's a very like fast paced like really fast jazz track I, I think that kind of parallels the kind of music that's in the cartoon because mm -hmm. that's the kind of music that's in the Wii version of the yep. game it's all very jazzy bluesy yeah uh but still kind of Fast-paced music. That's a smoky bar lounge kind of vibes. If they and, sold cocaine there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, on the Wii version, definitely. 
when you listen to the Wii version, all the tracks are very kind of subdued, very relaxed, but uh, at the same time very like jazz oriented. Yeah. And they step up and become more energetic like as the game as the gameplay goes on, but definitely a lot more clean and crisp sounding than this. This is just full on like balls to the wall, like awesome DS rock. Yeah. So, and this is the kind of music that would definitely put you on the edge of your seat while yeah. you're playing any boss Absolutely. at all. We played the Wii version. We weren't sure initially whether or not this this song was in the game on, on the DS version. I had heard the DS version first and was like, oh my goodness, I need to... Well, I it's need Kaufman, to, so of course you like it. Right. And I was like, I need to play this game. So I ended up picking up the Wii version thinking that they were both the same, and they weren't. But I was not unhappy with my selection. Uh, but I definitely want to go and get this DS game. Yeah. No, the Wii version is kind of an undiscovered gem. It's, yeah. It, if you like, like, side-scrolling beat-em-up style yeah. games, uh, there's some really good combat. It feels very much like... Um, what am I gonna looking for here? Guardian Heroes on the Saturn? Yeah. Uh, without the multiplane, it's, right. it's just a 2D, but you have that kind of... Lots of combos, air attacks... Mm -hmm. Uh, you can grab guys and people at once. throw people into another person, yeah. and you collect coins and stuff when you beat up bad guys and, and whatnot, and there's a little bit of platforming here and there as well, yeah. but for the most part, uh, I mean, it's got a really obnoxious tutorial, I will say that. Like, we're yep. going through, we went through the tutorial initially, and after the tutorial finishes, we start the game, and then there are these, like... They still keep telling you how to play. Yeah, there's, like, these bat symbols that kind of come out of nowhere, and they make this annoying, like, noise and they're just like hey if you want to punch press b and it's like dude you already told me that in the we tutorial. get it already Thank right 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 so it's like the tutorial was kind of pointless but i i kind of feel like if you're looking for a more like like contra hardcorps like like run and gun like super fast paced energetic game go for this ds version because yeah. it's much more faster paced whereas the wii version is more like just like a beat-em-up you know but right. not a bad beat-em-up but definitely it's the two games have different paces, different music, but, you know, I love the voice acting in the Wii version, but mm -hmm. the DS version doesn't really have as much of that, so... Yeah. Yeah. You take with what you could get. Honestly, just pick up both versions. They're both great. So, uh, Jake Kaufman, don't really need to talk about him. Come on. He's one of our favorite composers on this show. We've played him oodles of times, oodles of noodles. Probably along with Barry Leach, another yep. composer that probably deserves his own yep. episode of Pixel Tunes at some point. Seriously. So, Man, I'm just looking at this like, okay, so Batman episode, we're just, you know, picking random Batman tracks that we like, but mm -hmm. these com this composer list is amazing. Yeah. I mean, we've got Naoki Kodaka, we've got Spencer Nilsson, we've got uh, Jonathan Dunn, mm -hmm. uh, Jun Funahashi, mm -hmm. we've got Barry Leach, we've got Jake Kaufman, you know, all these like really awesome all-stars that yeah. we are all self-professed fans of. Uh, and, and it was kind of like... Like that rare episode we did, mm -hmm. you know, where we ended up with all these really awesome composers that we didn't realize worked. Not not rare. Core. The core episode right. where we had all these composers just come out of the woodwork that we were big fans of and didn't even realize they made. Right. So here we are with Batman and we're like, who knew Barry Leach made a Batman? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so that's why I like, you know, doing these themes that kind of forces us to look in places we wouldn't mm -hmm. to find tracks that are absolutely cool and and amazing and and games that. I'm we glad I suggested play. it, Ed. Thank yeah, you very much. I guess so I guess I owe you like a potato chip or something. Yes, you do. You owe me one potato chip, but that's a dangerous <laughs> path to lead me on, Edward. Because you can't just have one. You cannot just have one. Just like you can't just have one Batman game, but. You might be able to have one favorite Batman song 
of this list. We want to hear yours, but let's talk about ours first. Ed, oh, let me goodness. know. Oh, goodness. This is going to be a tough one, man. This is. I'm going to go with Batman Return of the Joker stages 1 through 6. Really? Huh. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I really like the Batman Returns, the Sega CD, the Spencer mm. Nielsen track. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it doesn't fit very well with the game kind of detracts from it for me. Yeah. I really like that Barry Leach track. Mm-hmm. This is a tough one to pick. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to go with the steadfast one that I was like banging my head to. And that I, you know, there's a nostalgia factor there because even though I didn't really play the games very much, mm-hmm. uh, even as far back as when I started getting back into VGM, like five, six years ago, that was one of the first soundtracks that I knew was totally awesome. Return and, of the Joker and, on NES. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So that's your so, pick. That's definitely my pick. Okay. What, what, what okay. about you? Ooh, this is tough. I picked a lot, all the classic stuff yeah. that like. We picked, I picked almost all of that. And, oh, going back, I almost want to say that I want to pick a track that's my favorite that isn't something that you wouldn't normally pick. So, oh man, it's going to come down between the TurboGrafx-16 track mm-hmm. and that Batman the Brave and the Bold, that yeah, breakneck. it's really good. But, but honestly, like, the Batman animated series game, too, the Game Boy, that track I loved. But I don't think I loved it enough to be a favorite track of this episode, so I think I'm going to go with the Jake Kaufman track. Okay. Honestly. I think I'm... That... Oh, man. It's so tough because that Turbo Graphics track, or the PC Engine track, I really loved that slap bass. Yeah. That, you know, the dat slap soft and bass. And heavy texture. Yes. And, yeah. the, and the textured tones of that track. But then I really, really love the breakneck pace of the Jake Kaufman track. So I'm going to say the Jake Kaufman track. All right. Yeah. That works for me. So tell us what your favorite tracks were of this episode of this podcast. Leave a comment on facebook.com slash groups slash Pixeltunes Radio. You can find the thread for this episode and mention it. You could also leave us a comment on pixeltunesradio.com in the episode and also on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash dongled, where you can watch every episode of Pixeltunes Radio in video format in a, in a way. And you can leave a comment there. Where else? Uh, you could just put a letter in my mailbox. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But you can also go to, I don't know, Twitter? Yeah. At Pixeltunes Radio. At Pixeltunes yeah. Radio. Or you can yep. go to our website, pixeltunesradio.com, leave a comment on our WordPress blog. Yep. Uh, I did also want to mention, you know, that we obviously know there are lots of other Batman games oh, out absolutely. there with great soundtracks. And uh, so we don't, you know, obviously we had to... Pick we had to pick only 12 tracks. 12 tracks. Right. Uh, but we know that you guys probably know that we missed some great tracks out right. there, so we'd love to hear them. You can post those in our Facebook group yep. as well under the show post. You know, I've said in the past that the Jesper Kid soundtrack for Adventures of Batman and mm-hmm. Robin on the Genesis is one of my favorites. We'd already played a track from that in the past, which yep. is the only reason I kind of skipped that one. I wanted to showcase some newer or older stuff, as yeah. it were, today. Um, but definitely, you know, tell us about your favorite Batman video game memories, other tracks that you enjoy, and, you know, your history with Batman. Yeah. Did he rescue you at some point from the Joker? Possibly. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Always. Twice. <laughs> once with a hat on. Once with a bat on. Once with a cowl on. Yes. <laughs> and we want to just make another quick mention that you can start leaving us comments on the Pixeltunes Radio at gmail.com for the upcoming video chat, pixel chat segment. So we're going to start doing that. So if you want to comment or, or ask a question about this episode, 
feel free to send us some email and let us know. Again, video format, audio format, text format, we'll take it all. Exactly. Also, you know, this has been around for a while. I always forget to mention it while we're recording a show. <laughs> uh, in addition to our Facebook group, there's also a general VGM podcast fans Facebook yes. group. Mm -hmm. So that's. We're both in it and we both post yeah, fairly regularly. It's, it's admined by mainly uh, Alex Messenger, who yep. is a huge philanthropist, I guess, as far as video game <laughs> podcasts go. So he mods it and I'm kind of like a sub mod. Yeah, you can search that on Facebook, VGM Podcast Fans. Join that group. That's just as active. There's a lot of people that are in our Facebook group, but then also additional people who are fans of other podcasts. Yeah. Uh, and lots of other podcasters are also in that group as well, mm -hmm. posting and having a lot of fun. So check that out as well. And yeah, I think that does it for the show. Thank you so much for listening as usual. We'll be back in one month. I'm Batman. With not Batman. <laughs> and uh, That's true. It's going to be episode 110, so every 10th episode is... Yep. A free pick. Yes. We're doing a free pick episode, episode 110. That'll lead us into May, and that is coming at the end of the month. Exactly. So, so look for us at the last Wednesday of every month. Yep. But in the meantime, we might post some extra goodies, so please stay tuned to our Twitter and Facebook groups so you don't miss any other bonus Pixel Tunes content in between. You got it, Mr. E. All right, Mr. J. <laughs> Well, my middle name is Jeffrey, so that's So there you go, oh, MJ. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to Pixel Tunes. Peace out. See you next time. I'm Batman. I'm not. You, you should be the, the George Clooney Batman. I don't want to be George Clooney Batman. I want you to be Val Kilmer Batman. I want to be the... Yuck. Well, you could be the be, Penguin. You could be Adam West.